Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Natalie Sawyer and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I was alongside Simon today as we discussed Eddie Aluko's comments suggesting Arsenal could have asked Manchester City to help them in their pursuit of Declan Rice. Eni also called into the show to respond to the backlash she's faced. Plus, we welcomed promoter Frank Warren into the studio and asked whether Tyson Fury's PR had taken a hit with the public. Arsenal then very much the front runners for this after uh, after Manchester City pulled out of the race to sign Declan Rice. As we know, Enia Luko was on Talksport this week. She had some interesting views on the situation when it seemed City were still yep. in this race. Let's just remind people what Enia Luko had to say before we just chat about it. There's a lot of cat and mouse going on here. As a sporting director, I used to do this a lot. So I used to call up a club, a big club, and say, right, can you put in a bid in? And that would get my owner to, to basically put a yeah. higher bid in. It's a bit like an auction, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I don't think Manchester City actually want to sign Declan Rice. I think what's going on here is Arteta's picked up the phone to Pep, said, listen, you know, Arsenal are going to do the sort of incremental bid approach. If you put a higher bid in, that will push my owner to... to I, I think there's a bit of that what, going on here. What, for speed then? They just want it to happen quicker? Well, for speed, but to get the deal done. Well, it was interesting because after that, she was mocked for mm. what she had to say. It could be a coincidence, but it looks as though maybe in part what she said was right, that the fact that Man City have pulled out, Arsenal now in the in the running mm. to sign Declan Rice. So was she right all along? Look, I mean, her experiences are working with transfers that are probably no more than 250,000 quid. So with due respect to her observation, when you start to get into territories of people spending 70, 80, 90 million quid, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a little fanciful. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you rule it out of the equation. 
I certainly wouldn't be delighted having a sporting director like any in my in my environment trying to get me to jack up the price so I can pay for something when she's supposed to be working for me. Um, so I wouldn't be overly appreciative of that. Um, but, but colluding happens in football, surely. Mm, I mean, look, yeah, it does, but not necessarily between clubs that are competing for something, not necessarily between clubs that are looking to maintain and retain a competitive advantage. There's no charity in this business. There's no charity between managers. They might give one another a hug before the game, but really and truly, they'll do whatever it takes to win something. And yes, you can make the idea and advance the notion that the Sorcerer's Apprentice has been given the opportunity to help himself along the way with a player that's going to compete with Man City. I, I don't think it's steeped in reality. I don't deny her experiences because if they're her experiences, they're experiences. But there is a vast difference between, with due respect, the level of transfer fee that she might have been involved in and 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 million pound transfers. It's not relative because the quantum of cash is so vast. You're talking about 25% of a club's turnover being spent on a player and people playing hide and seek with themselves to get a deal done. But come on. Have the you fo- never, you know, been chummy with a mate of yours trying to help each other out in this sort of football world? Well, I don't consider in? people in football that my friends. I think that most of the time they're your adversaries and you're trying to do something to them in terms of doing better than they are. The only time I've ever tried to do something that made sense of a transaction was trying to buy Dean Ashton from Crew and suggested to Norwich, and I think it was West Bromwich Albion, that we all get together rather than Crew take our pants down and ratchet the price up. We all put a bid in that meets uh, a, a reasonable expectation of Dean's worth, and the player chooses his club. And that lasted for about seven seconds once, once Norwich and Delia had agreed and went a bit higher. So I can, I can assure you that there's not a lot of camaraderie or collective thinking around how we can help one another benefit, how I can so, make sure so my competition and, benefit. You and Theo Pafita, so you've talked about many a time yeah. as a friend, you've never picked up the phone and said, Theo, I need a favour here. I, the kind of favours that Theo would have done for me were the worst kind of favours. There was no favours there whatsoever. In fact, it was harder work doing deals with my ball. Several, several football players from Millwall propped up the finances of their football club and received no gratitude for it. So whilst I don't... Listen, it's not fair for people to just to parody and ridicule what, what she said. Yeah. I think it's slightly fanciful, and I think the timing of things is just coincidental. I don't think it's. I don't think it's simply that Arsenal have uh, been nudged over the their owners been nudged over the line because there's two commodities in football that are absolutely front and foremost in everything that goes on, gossip and money. Mm-hmm. And so, with that in mind, I very much doubt that people don't know what others are doing and don't know the reasons why they're doing it. And I very much doubt, although don't rule it out, that Arteta has been able to influence Pep and the finance directors and the technical directors and the people at Man City to prop up a transfer fee that helps Arsenal get it. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Uh, before I continue in, into this conversation, let's bring in Eni Aluko because she joins us this morning. Eni, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Simon. Morning. Uh, I'm, re- I'm really good, thank you. I have to say, I'm... I'm quite uh, honoured that this conversation is continuing. Uh, if you ask me as a pundit um, what I'd rather prefer, you know, to have an opinion that generates conversation or have an opinion that no one cares about that's boring, I'll go with the former. So thanks for having me on. Well, thanks no, for me it, it, it's an absolute pleasure and you're absolutely right about the conversation and, and the debate it has generated. Um, you were on TalkSport Breakfast, as I said earlier this week, talking about the Declan Rice situation and you brought into that conversation from your own experiences now working, let's say, in the executive side of football. It certainly raised eyebrows and as you said before, it generated plenty of debate. What did you make of the reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, I think the reaction was a lot of people had never heard it before, right? Because ultimately, 
there isn't many people uh, like me who are pundits who are also worked as sporting directors um, who would you know be open and talk about transfer business um, a lot of clubs don't talk about their transfer business or at least talk about the tactical element and side of it or the communication that goes on inevitably between clubs when there's transfers being made particularly clubs that have a history of business you know as Arsenal and uh, City do particularly clubs that you know have coaches who are admittedly very close um, so I think there was raised eyebrows purely because people had never heard it before. Um, but also, you know, I'm talking about personal experience um, and I'm talking about the tactics that often help you when you are in a bidding war with a competitor. Um, I always, it always helped me. I can only speak from personal experience. It always helped me to know what my competitor, how far my competitor was willing to go to get a player that I really wanted. It was easier for me to go to my owner and say, do we want to save face and get the player we want or do we want to let our competitor get them? What do you want to do? And that would often get me more of a budget, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just what I'm referring to. Now, I, I, I'm assuming that may have happened. I don't know. But, you know, I think that where there's close relationships between the two clubs and the two, two owners, uh, two, two coaches, Arteta's worked at Manchester City before, maybe there was an acceptance that Declan Rice was not going to come to City. And uh, there was a conceding factor that, you know, we'll make one bid, see see how that goes. And I think that ultimately helped Arsenal to get the player they wanted. What would you say to those people, any, that would say, come on, working women's football is very different to men's football. And these kind of deals that we're talking about, in particular with Declan Rice, would, would be an extraordinary sum of money. That Why would Manchester City want to help out a rival that, that last season was fighting for the title? Well, I think in, in in terms of your in reference to your point around women's football and men's football, yes, of course, the the the, the amounts of money are different, right? But ultimately, my bosses were the same bosses that worked in the men's game. So my boss at Aston Villa was Christian Perslow. My bosses in America um, were billionaire owners who, um, you know, who always dealt with a lot of money, you know, as as the same amount of money that's dealt with in the Premier League. So. The tactical strategies and and, and the, the the tactics that you take in terms of negotiations aren't that different mm-hmm. because we're talking about elite footballers. We're talking about what you have to do with, to get the elite footballers you want, knowing that your competitors want them too. Uh, so that's the first point. That it's not that different. Uh, the amounts are different, but actually the people that are making these financial decisions are the same now in women's football. In, in terms of w- whether Pep would help Arteta, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that you know, these two uh, communicate at least. Um, and I think that Pep's in a position of strength. He's just won the treble. He may have already known that Declan Rice doesn't want to uh, come to Arsenal, uh, come to City. And the fact that they've only made one bid and not pushed to make another bid, and the day after they made the first bid, then pulled out of the race, says to me they didn't want Declan Rice as much as Arsenal did. Mm. And inevitably... Once that bid was met, once that uh, City bid was made, Arsenal then had clear reign to make a negotiate with West Ham to do a record transfer fee. I don't think that that is necessarily a coincidence. I think that's an organised um, approach to a record transfer fee. And, you know, that's that's the facts. That's how it's it's panned out. Simon, Ennie, just hang on for one moment. Ennie obviously was referring to, and I asked the question about some people might say, look, it's a very different ball game, women's 
and, and men's football. And he's saying ultimately, at the end of the day, it's still the same owners, it's still the same sort of transactions, bar the fee being different. Mm. Do you agree that this, with what Annie was saying just there? Well, I mean, I, I can't relate to her experiences. I don't know what budget she, she was given and how influential Christian Perslow was in allocating budgets for her and how much autonomy she got. What I would say is if I had a technical director like any on my side, I'd be pretty fed up with it because if she's manipulating me rather than working for me, I don't think I'd be over amused by that. I do think there is plausibility about some of the observations that she's made. Look, scale does affect outcomes. Transfer deals are transfer deals. But scales of £250,000 for a woman's footballer or £90 million for a male footballer are vastly different, garner different attention, different agendas, different outlooks and different perspectives. I, I think it's slightly fanciful. I think it's unlikely. But it's not you know, completely implausible that it would have manifested itself that way. I think... Pep attaching his name to a transaction that he has no material interest in brings integrity into play. And I'm not sure that people at the top end of the game really want their integrity for question. I'm sure Manchester City didn't want to get into a bidding war because no club likes getting into a bidding war. No club Mm. likes to be able to be put in a cleft position where the ultimate beneficiaries are the selling club and they can see the competitive tension being built and being built and being built and the main beneficiary of that are the selling club and the two people that are being disadvantaged are the two clubs that are bidding against one another. So there might be a case where Man City had an interest if they could do a deal at a price that suited them, which is a kind of way that Man City operates. Mm -hmm. They don't tend to get involved in too many bidding wars or try to get themselves in a situation where they'll pay more than they are prepared to pay. I think with Man City... They are in a position where they say we are now economically at a position and logistically on the pitch to say this is the value, this is what we'll do, do a deal or don't do a deal. And I think that's more likely to be the case. I think there's an element of coincidence and timing, but I can't rule out and I also can't discredit. I didn't like, I don't agree with her, I don't agree with any, Mm -hmm. but I didn't like the vitriol and contempt and disdain Mm -hmm. because... She's relating it to her experiences well, and, and their relative. And that's what we should say here, Annie, is you have, even today, you've kept saying, I, I don't know if this has happened, but and this is yeah, just your course. thought all, process. But Yeah, you, it's, it's, all, it's all suggestive. From my perspective, Simon, I, I get what you're saying in terms of the manipulation, and that's my fault in terms of not articulating it in the right way. It's not necessarily manipulation because ultimately my owner would have known that I'm in for that player and I would have had a budget that would have been lower than what the, the market is currently dictating for that player. Now, you go then go back and have a conversation and say, look, the competitor is going to bid and we're going to have to go higher here. So there's no manipulation. It's all open communication. Um, but ultimately, it benefits me. Yeah, but what, I you're, get the Eddie, what you're saying, with respect, what you're saying is you've placed a phone call into your rival to or... You've manufactured, no, no, no. or first, you've manufactured a situation no, with a rival it's, it's to manu- create an outcome. It's, it's not manufacturing; it's communication, Simon. So I'm saying to my well, it my is. Rival, you're getting somebody to bid for something. You- you're getting somebody to bid for something that you don't want them to, that doesn't that doesn't really want to buy it to engineer a commercial outcome for you. That's precisely what it is, Annie. Call it what it is. No, no, I, no. I don't that's dispute the fact it that it might happen uh, in very rare instances, and I never saw it in many, many transfer deals that I did, and I was very close to transfer deals. And when you're throwing somebody £250,000 with due respect, there's less focus on that transaction than when you're spending £90 million. So people will be very focused on it. Owner, chief executive, they'll want to understand, as I've said in previous parts of this discussion when you haven't been on the line, the two biggest commodities in football are gossip and finances. And with them (laughs) becomes a lot of invested interest. 
So I don't think you guys yeah. as technical directors at that quantum just get a free-for-all and a ha- you know, your own hand to go and negotiate and engineer situations because what you have said is that it would be likely that a situation has manifested itself where a situation has been engineered for Man City to bid to produce an outcome for Arsenal to get the player they want. That's manipulation by its very definition. Well, I think, I think you know, I think what I'm referring to, and again, you know, if, if I've not articulated it in that way and, and that's the way it's been perceived, that's my fault. But ultimately, what I'm talking about is communication. I had communication with clubs about the level they were going to bid anyway on these players. And that helped me then go back and say, right, we're going to have to decide what we're going to do. So those clubs were going to bid anyway. They're all legitimate, genuine. But that makes no sense, any. It makes no sense in the commercial reality of the hard world. If I'm your competitor, the last thing I'm going to do is give you any indication of what I'm prepared to do to get a deal done. I'm going to tell you precisely the counter polar opposite of what I'm prepared to do. Well, not well, that's not my experience. Yeah, but with, with respect, your experience. experience is at a far lower level of economics. Yeah, so and, can... I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've accepted that. I've mm. accepted that it's a far low, lower level. But at the end of the day, the tactics and the communication is what I'm referring to. I'm referring to clubs communicating about a player um, that they ultimately want at different levels. And the fact that obviously City pulled out after one bid and Arsenal made a bid after that bid and ultimately got their player, which ultimately helped Arsenal. So what I'm effectively talking about, and again, I don't know, is communication between clubs. And in my experience, I communicated with my rivals. Now, again, in men's football, that might be very different. But I'm assuming that, you know, at the higher the level of, of hundreds of millions of pounds is being exchanged here, at hundreds of millions of pounds, the fact that the idea that clubs don't communicate, I think is naive. I think they do communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I'm suggesting. You're 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As I say, Frank Warren and now Gareth A. Davis is with us for the rest of the hour. And we've got to talk about Tyson Fury and what is going on. You know it's coming, Frank. I can see your face already. We sort of touched on it a little bit. The whole situation with Tyson Fury in a way, has infuriated a lot of fans in the sense of what's happening with him. When are we next seeing him in the ring? Is he going to fight this person? Is he going to fight that person? Where are we at with everything with him? 
Well, he's going to... We'll be announcing something soon. He is fighting. He's going to fight... Um, well, as I say, we'll be announcing that in the next week or so. It's more or less uh, a done deal. Um, don't ask me who, because I'm not going to go <laughs> down that road or where or when. But um, he will fight. In the meantime, the narrative was controlled at the time by Usyk. A lot of people bought into what was... Well, I'm repeating what I said earlier. You know, that fight... Uh, we were desperate to get it on, but it was all going to be back going on with in Saudi. They asked us to pull Tyson out of his fight last December so they could put it on in February. Had we done that, Tyson would have had a fight because then they were talking about doing it on April 29th. That got postponed, and then they're talking about doing it at the end of the at the end of the year. And then last week they were talking about maybe moving that date now to the uh, to the January um, 24. The reason. Usyk wants to fight there because they get paid far, far more money than we would get from a gate here, you know, or an event doing it here because they'll pay a premium to put the event on. Um, Tyson wanted to get the fight on. We made we made various, various um, moves to try and make that happen and it just didn't happen. It was nothing to do with Tyson. It was the fact, the truth of the matter is, the bottom line is, is that Usyk wants to take walk away with what he feels he's going to get $70, $75 million to do the fight in December or early next year. And I get that and understand it, but that wasn't Tyson's fault. Tyson was willing to take less money to make the fight here. But does the timeline now work for you with Tyson Fury then? Yeah, That's I'm, the key, I, I, isn't it's, it? It's, we're, not, we're not being dictated by, to anybody what's going to happen. If we'd have been sitting around waiting, that which has been happening, and that's not the Saudis, sad, uh, the, that's not skill challenges fault because they've made it very clear that they can't put, the, put any fights on till late December, now pushing it back again. They made that very clear. What is clear is that the other fighters don't want to jeopardise a big payday by fighting on, in the interim. It's the same thing that's going on at the moment with uh, with AJ. He doesn't want to fight. You know, why, did, why, why is he not fighting Dillian White? Why didn't he fight Tyson Fury for 60-40? All those reasons are because he didn't want to jeopardise a big payday that he's, he's supposed to be getting if he fights... Uh, Deontay Wilder. That is the truth of the matter. In the meantime, Tyson was willing to fight them both here at Wembley. We had the dates book, everything, pencils, dates penciled in, everything for it. But they were not interested. And that's the truth of the matter. As you can imagine, we're getting reaction on social media and everywhere. And of course, it's whether you take care for it or not. But for example, Matthew Gould here has said about Tyson Fury, the most inactive champion ever. Can't be bothered to hear anything about him, for example. Now, Tyson Fury does take to social media. He does put out videos telling us this potentially is going to happen. Something is happening on the horizon. Does that, in a way, make your, dif your job more difficult? Because you're having to deal with these videos that sometimes don't lead to anything. When did Usyk last fight? Um, last August, wasn't it? Well, Tyson's been more active than him. Yeah, but I, th I so think that's, what... That's wrong to start. We had two fights last year, and he would have fought again if Saudi Arabia delivered... If Skills Challenge said what they were trying to do... Come on, not Frank. Fearful. Come on. What are you talking uh, about? Uh, he on. would have fought uh, in uh, April uh, 29th. Yeah, I understand that's that. That's what we were told. We're going to compare the fighting criteria. Usyk fought, uh, fought Joshua, and your boys fought Derek Chisora. No, he, Come he, on, he Frank. fought his mandatory at Wembley. He fought his mandatory win. And yeah, the reason he fought Derek yeah. Chisora yeah. is because Usyk was not ready to fight. Yeah, I understand that, but you're comparing records, so I'm pulling up I'm not on the comparing, comparison. I'm comparing. You're comparing. saying it's been more no, I'm, I'm answering the question. No, no, I'm answering the question, the question but back activity. He said he was inactive. He's not been inactive. He's been fighting. And he would have fought more this year had the, the fights that was proposed been put through. If he hadn't have fought Chisora or anybody 
in December, he'd have been inactive, waiting for this fight to happen until the first quarter of 2024. So please do me a favour. But surely there's only two fights for Tyson Fury at this stage in his career. It's a Joshua fight and it's a Usyk fight. Those are the two fights that the world wants to see. But those are the two fights the world wants to see. Is that fair? I don't know. I think the world would watch a fight against Joe Joyce or Zing Zhang. I think when they, when when uh, Daniel Dubois knocks over, knocks over Usyk, they'll watch that. If he beats Usyk, and I think people will want to see uh, Fury and Dubois, yeah, and that's what happens. St- but, uh, but I we, think but those we, are the but, two but, big but fights. But we can't sit around waiting for waiting for something to happen. We've got to make do the best we can under the circumstances, and and we've got to make make the right moves. What we feel are the right things to do, and and as I just said. There's no. You talk about inactivity. There's another guy's in, is pretty much been active, inactive. Is is uh, Joshua, and he didn't want the fight. We offered Joshua the fight, sixty forty. He didn't want it. Yeah, but, so we, but he's not yeah, ducking. But Fra- but you're making know, like he's ducking. Frank, but you know, what, last December, you mean? But that's an unfair comparison, Frank. Because well, he you offered, offered him a fight. No, he was it. offered it in December. Yeah, I know. He's just come off the back of a meaningful set of fights against Usyk. If it was the other way around, you wouldn't have suggested for Joshua right, to take that fight. He, he was offered it. Down. He was offered it a couple of months ago. He's not coming off of a win. Mm, okay, that's fine. Not okay, but it's there, true. But there's a background narrative that's built up and it's been allowed to build up by Tyson. There's lots of noise, and you don't like it, and you get all defensive about it, right? A lot of noise. Where he's a WBC champion in the world. We listen to him last year about he wasn't going to fight he fannied about saying he wasn't going to fight didn't pay his million pound bet to Piers Morgan when he did fight right and we've got a WBC champion here that seems to be given latitude by the WBC which is oh because he's such a meaningful champion he doesn't have to that's fight until he, until he feels like it that's, I that's mean it doesn't look, it's not a he, great look is it well hang on a minute it's less it's just over a year ago that he had his mandatory right okay so his well, mandatory is not due yet it's not latitude but, uh, how long does it how long so he can have a mandatory every 18 months can he uh, t- uh it's unless it's called for, and it was called for because what they said is that Deontay Wilder had to fight Ruiz, and the winner of that would be the mandatory. Mm-hmm. That was what they called for, and neither of those wanted to fight each other. So there's no mandatory. That's put, not Tyson right, Fury. Put, put aside mandatory then for the purpose of this conversation. Insert meaningful then. Well, we try to make two meaningful we, fights we, 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 all year. We've been trying to make two meaningful fights. Why don't they want to fight Tyson Fury? Then I just told you because they're waiting to get these big paydays. In but Saudi no one's Arabia. had a contract offer yet from well, Saudi. That's what's so weird about it's it. Not, no there's, nothing, had... there's nothing weird about it. What it is is they have they are convinced that they will get these offers, and maybe they will. But they've said now that they may have, they may have to push it back until. The first quarter of of twenty twenty four, but they're waiting for that, and I get that and understand. It. But don't keep saying that we're not trying to make fights for these ducking people. We've made offers, you know. For just think it through. You're asking why they're not happening. We offer Joshua, who's had a fight now. We offered him that fight for September, and there's nothing wrong. He's incapable because he's training for a fight allegedly for August. We offer him the fight. You've got the sixty forty. Don't worry about rematches and all that. You don't want them straight into it. That's where we go. And he hasn't taken it. Why hasn't he taken it? Because he wants the big payday in Saudi. So that's why... Well, we all can nothing, with that. Yeah, but, but, that's, in the meantime, but no, 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 in the meantime, you're Usyk, saying... You've got Usyk in. Usyk's fighting. He's trying to get a big payday in Saudi, isn't he? He's not fighting. Who's he fighting? He's fighting your boy. Because he's ordered to fight him. Right. Otherwise, so he wouldn't what, be fighting. So at what point is Tyson Fury, as a WBC defending heavyweight champion that hasn't had a mandatory now for 17 months, at what point is someone going to step in and say, about time you fought someone? 
Where'd of significance. No, it's, it's got 14 months. months but, it, but, but I get your point. Hang on, it's April. Hang on, we're in July tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Right? 14 so it's 17 months. months. It's, it's 14 it's not, months. It's 14 months. But hang on, you can only have a mandatory if you've got a mandatory challenger and he hasn't got a mandatory challenger. But they could have mandated Frank Sanchez, who's number four, couldn't they? Neither of them. No, look, first of all, I'm not in the WBC business. Yeah, yeah. That's their choice to what they've done. They offered the number one and two, and they were up until a few weeks ago, I understand, still negotiating. Yeah. Because they're looking at, I suppose, as a fallback if this thing doesn't happen. Yeah, but Wilder's waiting for Saudi money. It's, it's, George Warren, your son, told me this best. It's a blessing and a curse. And right now it's, it's a curse. But the Saudi money fault, on offer. It's, it's a curse. Fault. It's not your fault. No, my no one's been, saying. No one's saying it. Simon's not saying it's your fault. But it's, then ultimately, but the people listening want to know a solution to this, and there isn't one at the moment. And it's the fight fans who are being cheated, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, yes, why sadly. did all the golfers all walk away from you know, from the governing body at the time, the, the tournament, to form their own thing? Why did they do that? They did it for money, and now why? They, now they've got together because money's called for it to happen. Why did that? Happen? And it's no different with a boxing. That's it. Why are some? Why? Why are a lot of footballers now going to Saudi Arabia to yeah, play in their league out. for money? So what do you? What, you know, no, it's not. It's not. We all know that, Frank. But I think people would actually prefer people to come out and actually say it. And so I tell you what, I'm not fighting. I'm only. I'll just fight at the end of the year. I tell you what, whatever. I'm going to do. I'm going to stop yeah. fanning about and misrepresenting. The only place I'm going to fight is Saudi because it's the only place I'm going to get paid. Right. right. And what we've got is Tyson because Tyson. I believe is the generational great, right? And I would like to see him make the fights that get made, and I understand that there's, there's, there was challenges in getting Joshua to get you getting a ring because he's the other financial express train, whether that's merited or not. But between Chisora and where we are today, what people have listened to is a lot of noise from Tyson, and people are beginning to get the impression, which you're trying to correct, that the reasons why deals don't happen is not... I don't think Tyson Fury is ducking people. I think he makes it difficult to do business with him. Why? Because I think he has an impression of what he should get from the fight, and he's not going to move from that. So, okay. and it all, it's so, like, it's so, like so, listen to so, Goldfrock so, say to me, I'm going to fight Mikel Kessler, but I tell you what, I'm going to do a deal because I'll fight a 50-50 because it makes it happen. I'm not sure your boy does that. I'm not sure he's particularly facilitatory in making sure an outcome happens. Why, he's, did he, he's, why, why did he publicly offered 60-40 to Joshua, who's coming off a loss, and, and, and reiterated that offer? So why is, what do you think? Should we get 50-50? No, not in that instance. But the that's, Joshua, that's the only other. But, but hang on, Joshua's there, not the only that game was, in town, is well, he? Well, hang on a minute. You're just right. saying he that you're just You just made a comment. You just said that he does that. Well, he didn't do it because Joshua you, offered 60-40. I'll, I'll have to bow to your knowledge about offering him fights this year. But when he offers him 60-40 last year, nobody in their right mind that's managing Joshua would stick him in that it was a Mickey take. You guys knew it. You're taking Joshua's pattern. It is because he wasn't ready, and your boy wouldn't have been ready either. And no one would have advocated for it. And you only wanted to fight him. Fought, and you made it what are you talking 40. about? Our boy was training to fight in November and fought in December. Of course he was ready. Your 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 boy fought Dillian White in a one-sided beatdown seven months before. Anthony Joshua has come out of a psychologically damaging fight against someone okay. that's now being right. seen. Well, let's one say of the best I, I don't around. agree with what it's you're saying. Sorry, for, sorry, like, for okay. Life, Frank, well, is it? Right, let me just say something. I agree. let's say I'll I won't agree to it. Let's just say you're right about it. Saying since then he's come back and had a win. So why didn't he take the fight for sixty forty in September? I can't answer that question because I'm, 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 I'm unaware, I'm unaware that, that offer going on. Don't, don't put it on the line. I know, I know the answer to that question because you know the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, I know the answer Because you want to fight in Saudi. Well, that's what I'm right. saying. Okay, I mean, but in the meantime, you've got to row your own boat, haven't you? But do you worry that the public are losing love for Tyson Fury because of this? No, I don't. 
don't think. No, you'll fill an auditorium as soon as it gets back in. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, we're just getting you back in. You say let, that. Let, you say yeah. that. But some yeah. of the no, responses let's, let's, we're getting are not. But you've got to remember, you've got. I'm not happy but, with this but, situation. But you've got, you, you've got hate. Everybody said, "Oh, you, you keep banging on about Chisora. Sixty thousand people bought tickets for a fight. The guy who buy the one was the highest available contender in the. You WBC. can fool some people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people what all the time. I would have. I would have. Sorry, I would have put. I would have paid Joe Joyce to step aside, put Zuli Zhang in with Tyson Fury, and made that fight. And you don't like that conversation, but that's no, what I would have done. No, no, no. Joe Joyce. No, Joe Joyce. It's not about I don't like. I have no problem. Joe Joyce wanted the fight. We tried to make the Zhang fight. You just had him in there. You should have put that to him and asked him. And I put it said, to you because you're the promoter. Well, I can't. No, he's the guy who has the opportunity to, to decide whether he wants to, 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 to call for the rematch. And that's what he did. Hard edged, hard nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.